Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you today to the second part of this special edition of Freedom Caucus podcast, a special edition coming from Douglas, Arizona. Let me just give you a little bit of a refresher. Recently, I traveled on a CODEL, a congressional delegation, with about nine other members of Congress. And the purpose of this, we all just simply wanted to get an up-close and personal view of the national emergency that our country is facing in Texas, uh, in uh, New Mexico, and in Arizona. So we, we went through all of these three uh, states to get a close view as to what's happening. And let me say, uh, this is my second trip to the border. I think now I've been on a, uh, five or six, I believe six different sectors out of the nine And every time I go to the border, it is an eye-opening experience of magnitudes of which I cannot fully describe. Uh, But I can say that through these CODELs, my purpose is to come back to you and try to provide you with an inside look at the extent of the problems that we're facing on our southern border. Now, in the previous episode, if you'll remember, when we had Congressman Andy Biggs with us, who himself is from Arizona... Uh, He was talking with us about combating all the negative coverage about the conditions at the Border Patrol and ICE facilities. He also talked about uh, the important work that our Border Patrol agents are doing and literally described how criminal cartels in Mexico and various developing Central American countries have maintained an enormous influence in these various sectors on our southern border. And the unfortunate truth of all this is uh, our lack of border security has allowed these criminal cartels to expand uh, their corruption and their corrupt hold in our entire nation, not just on the border. I think this is critical for us to understand. The corruption that's coming from these cartels is literally impacting our entire nation. So, on the program with me today, shortly you are going to hear from Art Del Cueto. He is one of the vice presidents for the National Border Patrol Council. He is also the president of a local Border Patrol chapter in Arizona. And with illegal immigration surging to levels that we've not seen since back in 2014, he is going to highlight how our agents are suffering from two major pressure points. First of all, they are overwhelmed, and secondly, they are understaffed. We have got to hear from him on these issues. Then later in the program, we are going to hear today the story of an angel parent, Steve Ronnebeck, who lost his son to a violent attack by a criminal illegal alien. And, you know, obviously none of us can imagine nor can we ease the pain of his tremendous loss, but we can tell the story and we can try to urge Congress to do everything within its power to prevent future tragedies like this one from happening again. And we can try to curb illegal immigration. So I I just want to tell you, you're in for a great program and I'm excited for you to be able to hear from our guests. So let's jump right into it. And I'm very honored to have with me on the podcast uh, right now the Vice President of the of the National Border Patrol Council, 
Art Del Cueto. Uh, Art, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, listen, not only are you vice president of the National Council, but you are president of the local chapter here in the El Paso area. Well, actually, I'm, I'm the president. President down in Tucson. In Tucson. Yeah, and that happens to be the largest uh, local in the country. So yeah, it's I'm dumb enough, I say, to, to take on two two things to do at once. Yeah, and my, <laughs> my reaction is that is you're good enough to be able to uh, do two things. I I tell you, just last night, let's just jump into this. Last night we were on the border uh, having a night patrol with you and and some other agents. Uh, personally, saw four individuals apprehended, but right, right before we got there, there were some fifty to eighty individuals apprehended it's remarkable what you guys are dealing with how kind of how's how's that work how are you coordinating it seemed like a lot of activity going on last night in communication uh through radio what's what's kind of happening well what's what's helped lately is that we have other agencies that are out there helping us also uh we saw yesterday we saw the air marshals were, were out there helping coordinate some of the transport so that's always what's been very helpful now uh it was it was quite a mess before uh and and i'm sure to People that aren't familiar with it and they don't come down here, they see some of these things and it, it looks like uh, quite a mess still. But uh, it's we're we're pretty much a lot better than we were uh, even just several months ago with uh, the coordination of other assets that we've been able to use. Uh, you know, you get these large groups all the time. Uh, but three four months ago, we were getting uh, groups of uh, 200 plus constantly coming in. Amazing. It, it's, it is it is crazy, and just what you saw yesterday, obviously, was uh, the the little tail end of it with that other group. Uh, it was three Brazilians and uh, one Cuban that turned themselves in, and that's what we're getting a lot down here is a lot of these uh, individuals that are uh, other than Mexican is what they call them, OTMs. But uh, it uh, – and it, once again, I think it's – a lot of it has to do with the loopholes that we have in some of, one of our asylum laws. And that's why <clears throat> when you say uh, – that's why people are turning themselves in. Correct. Because of the, the loopholes. So, so it's, it's not frequently a chase. I mean, it is sometimes. Right. Some of that was even taking place last night while Correct. we were leaving. Uh, but oftentimes, these people are turning themselves in because there's an easy pass, pathway to get into this – uh, country based upon the loopholes in our laws. Correct. Even in my sector down in Tucson, um, that's one of the things that we've been experiencing is we don't have that many individuals that are turning themselves in. It's still the old school way that we have to chase groups, we have to track groups. And a lot of it has to do with the activity that's going on in the South Side. Uh, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Uh, but the reality is that we have a very corrupt si system uh, to, in our neighbors to the South. And you just don't know uh, what's being done or where it's being done. What we see sometimes, and, and you experienced it yesterday, we did have uh, some individuals that turned themselves in. Just a few miles from where we were at, you had groups that were being chased back south. Right. That always heightens my awareness level, and it puts me in a position where I believe that uh, sometimes it can be uh, used as a distraction so uh, they can cross drugs or anything else they want to in another area. And that's something that so we the ones have to you're worry chasing about. or the distraction or or the group that turned themselves turned in. Themselves you know, in. I mean, uh, a lot of it is very well coordinated on the south end. So uh, many times you see these uh, people on the south that will send a group to turn themselves in, and agents are obviously going to be preoccupied with that. And then at the same time, miles down, you'll have another group running that you're having to chase. Well, now you have 
two areas where your assets are being used and utilized. And obviously, with the short manpower, leaves an open. it leaves huge openings. And right. It's something that, like I said, I experience it, and we see it a lot down in the Tucson sector because uh, there's a lot of groups down there that uh, do not turn themselves in. Uh, there are some that do. Um, just most recently, there was a, I had a story from one individual, an agent, that he shared it to me, and there was a, one uh, female that had been, um, she came in for asylum. She was sent back to Mexico and asked to wait in Mexico. Well, uh, two days later, she just turned around and tried to cross again. Uh, you know, that didn't deter her. Uh, but I do believe uh, a lot of these asylum claims of individuals that are being forced to wait in Mexico, I think that does, it, it changes their mind. Uh, and listen, I, I'm, I'm for immigration. I'm not against immigration. I don't think any of us are. I just believe that there's a right way and a wrong That's way. That's right. I'm for legal immigration. Uh, I believe that there are individuals that uh, do seek asylum and they have true asylum claims. But I also believe that there's just too many individuals that are finding loopholes and that are exploiting our system and uh, are just flat out lying to get into our country. And that is not what we're about. No, there's a right way and a wrong way, like you said. And, I, and all of us support the right way. I, I know we've only got a few moments, but let me let me transition in this a little bit because uh, the agents who are working are among just, just an awesome group of individuals. They are committed to this country. They're committed to their jobs. They're committed to try to keep our country safe. At the same time, in recent months, we have just seen an uncalled for outlandish attack on our border agents. Um, uh, and all of those things that, uh, well, that's, I guess, for another time, but so many of the accusations is outright false. How's the morale? How, how do you how do you keep the, the agents up for what they're doing? Well, well, the morale certainly is not where it should be, right? Uh, we're better off now than we were under past administrations. I can tell you that, but we are nowhere near where we should be. Uh, and I live by this one... Uh, line that my dad told me a long time ago and it comes from a don quixote book uh if the dogs are barking that means we're moving forward so um you know i, I don't let people talk in oh, the trash gonna it's not gonna bother us we're still gonna keep moving forward because there's still a mission and we still believe in what we're doing now that's you do the other agents share that same view i think the majority of the agents do the Good. majority of agents do they, they get up in the morning they put their uniform on they come out here uh and day in day out uh, they're tired and, and, their, and their morale has been taking a few kicks lately. But at the end of the day, we understand the oath we took, and we're doing our darndest to try to make a difference. Well, you certainly are. And the, the job commitment is absolutely remarkable. And there are many, there are millions across the country that I speak in behalf of right now to say thank you for the job you guys are doing. It's well done, and we appreciate it. I truly appreciate you saying those words because I can tell you right now, the agents out there in the field, they don't hear it enough. So I thank you for those words. Well, God bless you. Y'all keep the torch ablaze. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Now, as we're talking about this issue, there's no one that is more affected by what's happening on the southern border than those individuals who have lost loved ones uh, because of the criminal activity from uh, illegal aliens who come into this country. I've had the privilege of meeting many of these folks and families. We call them angel families, and I'm honored to have one of those on the program with me now. Uh, Steve Ronnebeck from Arizona. Steve, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Well, sir, thank you very much for having me. 
All right. Well, let's begin. Your your life changed drastically a few years ago. Why don't you kind of set it up and just walk through the story? January 22nd, 2015, my son Grant was working an overnight shift at a quick trip in Mesa. An illegal alien came in and wanted to buy cigarettes. Um, he dumped jar change out on the counter. Grant went over and went to start counting the change. This man said, what, you're not going to give me my cigarettes? And Grant tried to explain to him, I have to count your, your, your change. This man at that point pulled a gun, and Grant did everything he was supposed to do. He went ahead and handed over the cigarettes. As soon as Grant did that, this man shot Grant point blank in the face. He uh, then went around the counter, grabbed a couple more packs of cigarettes after stepping over Grant's body, stepped back over Grant, and walked out of the store like nothing had happened. Um, you know, at that point, the devastation of my life I didn't even know about. But when I did find out, it, it really was um, the, the most devastating thing that could happen to anyone. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Well, it is. I remember, I think most folks probably listening to this podcast remember that story. It made national attention uh, and uh, portions of the video were seen all over the country. And even hearing you talk about it again just brings up so many uh, vivid memories. And and the, the thing, Steve, that is so aggravating about this is that it should have never happened this person who committed this murder of your son should never have been in this country. Can you tell us a little bit about that individual and his past? Yeah, he uh, he came to this country when he was 14. Um, came here as an unaccompanied minor. He qualified for the, the Dreamer Act. So you could say he was a dreamer. He, uh, two, two and a half years before he killed Grant, he had been arrested for him, his wife, and another man did a home invasion. They held a woman captive, naked, for 10 days, sexually assaulting her for those 10 days. They were also filling her full of heroin. By the end of it, she'd become an unreliable witness because she was so scared she didn't want to testify. He basically walked away with felony burglary, never had to do a day in prison, and he had two years probation, which after the probation ended is shortly after that is when he killed Grant. He's, he's a repeat offender. He'd been deported at least twice that we know had of. Had been deported twice and mm -hmm. had come back illegally twice. Yep. Uh, they also found out as they were checking into his background that he had at least 10 assumed names and seven different Social Security numbers. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Career criminal. So what happened after Grant's murder to him? Well, we're still awaiting trial. He's uh, sitting in jail. Um, he's... Uh, you know, he's living it good. He's uh, making money, making alcohol, and, and just living the high life. I mean, you know, he gets three square meals a day, and we're paying for it. So how? tell us a little bit about the Angel families uh, as, a, as a group. How did you become involved with that organization? Well, I'm going to be honest. It, it was thanks to our president. Our president is the one that pretty much coined the phrase. Um, he, he started, you know, when he started his campaign, one of his, his first platforms was illegal immigration. As he got to know more of us, it, it just, it became bigger for him to, to do the right thing. Um, and you'd said that, you know, like my son's death shouldn't happen. 
what I'd like to have people to know is that I actually got to sit at a round table with President Trump and I made the comment that every one of these deaths at the hands of an illegal alien is a preventable death. They shouldn't have happened because these people shouldn't have been here. Had the guy that killed Grant been deported after he got off probation, Grant would still be alive. Had we had a barrier on our southern border that this man couldn't have came in, Grant would still be alive. Had Mr. Obama not signed the three executive actions that protected this man and his children that were born here, my son would still be alive. Mm. I mean, there's, there's failures all across the board. And that's, that's the problem, I think. And I, I know that people like you and, and Andy and the rest of your group, and I've, I've actually met with the other two groups that Andy brought down. And it, a lot of these people, just like you today, were, were amazed after hearing my story. And then after seeing the border, I think that, that you guys are all realizing that this is preventable. We can fix this. Yeah, it absolutely is preventable. And uh, we have had a number of angel family uh, come to Washington, D.C. They've gone from one office to the other. And the impact that they have is huge. And just simply sharing their stories like you have done, uh, it, it brings an awareness and a personal touch to this whole emergency happening on the border that what happened to Grant could happen to any one of us or any one of our children, any one of our family members. Uh, this type of criminal activity uh, is not based upon who you are. It's, it's just... It's happening like this in places all across our country. Well, and, and I'm going to basically put it this way. Every town in America is now a border town because, right. it, because of the amount of, of illegals that are coming across our border in the past. Let's just take the last year. Um, you're talking well over a million illegal aliens coming into our country. And because border patrol is so overwhelmed because ice is so overwhelmed they have no choice but to release them and there's been you know catholic social services a lot of the churches try to help but even the churches are at a point where they're overwhelmed right you have the left that's screaming concentration camp and oh they're drinking out of toilets all it is 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 divisive rhetoric from the left and and it's so sad it really is so sad because if they would spend half the time trying to help you guys fix the problem, help the president fix the problem. If they spent half the energy doing that instead of the rhetoric, I think we'd probably have our problem solved. Oh, well, there's no question. And these are American lives that are being impacted. Now, what has come about since Grant's death? You know, we've tried legislation. Um, it always ends up getting blocked by the left. We've tried, you know, Marianne Mendoza and I, um, she's an angel mom. We've, we've been active in just fighting every day. Um, we're trying everything we can to keep the, the knowledge and keep our stories out there because it's still happening and it's gotten so much worse. I mean, um, Steve King, who was with you guys mm -hmm. on this, this excursion, um, you know, it's like Molly Tibbetts last year. I put a picture up of, of Molly and a picture of Grant next, you know, next to each other. And I, I put out a post and you look at them and it's like two all American kids. They could have been boyfriend, right. girlfriend. And people look at, a lot of people looked at that and they were just like, 
how can this be? How can this be? But since Grant was killed, I've, I've become more and more active, and, and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep helping you fight, and I'm going to keep helping the American people fight because this isn't about me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be famous. I'd rather not have met you, and please don't take it the wrong way. Oh, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I would rather ha have Grant here. And I would rather have never met President Trump. Right, and still have Grant. And still have Grant. Maybe Grant would have been in, in front of President Trump for doing something amazing. You know, that, that's what I, I'd like to think, that instead of me, he'd be here and he'd be doing something amazing. And he did something amazing to meet President Trump. But again, you know, this is permanent separation. I don't get to see Grant anymore. Um, and I've told the story, and it, it, it tends to move people, and I don't do it just to invoke a reaction. I do it because it's the truth. I spend every one of Grant's birthdays at his grave. Mm. I celebrate Christmas. We put our Christmas tree up on Grant's grave. Andy's been there to help me decorate that Christmas mm. tree. Um, and that's how we celebrate our holidays. Well, Steve, Ronabek, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing the story of Grant, of making this real to the American people, and for helping stay, just staying involved to help us continue to move the needle to secure our borders, to protect the American people, and to pre prevent other families from experiencing what you and your dear family have experienced. Thank you for joining us today. Well, and thanks for having me. All right, folks, what a program. And I, again, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. As always, uh, we encourage you, if you like this program, please take the time to rate it, take time to subscribe, take time to review this podcast on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and through our Twitter handle at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, this is Jody Heiss. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.